1: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin, who now is a Bears reporter, and it is super weird because every time you tweet, it has to do with the Bears, and I am just not used to this yet.
0: I know a lot of people have said that to me and my mentions, and I do appreciate the Vikings fans who have stuck around and decided to continue to follow me. I just think they will be very educated on what's happening in other places in the NFC North. And and I'm just trying to make you a more educated fan, you know, that's just what I'm here for, but my gosh, my there are a lot of people who want nothing to do with me anymore from the Minnesota side of things because I'm not tweeting about Daniil Hunter and the Vikings picking up his 18 million dollar roster bonus or you know Harrison Phillips being all excited to come back to Minnesota because his grandparents were from there like I keep up with it but I'm not like daily like in a process now where I'm when I'm talking about it so it does feel a little weird to me but it's been just about a month since I've been on the Bears beat, and it's been great so far. I mean, free agency last week was a weird experience having a team that didn't really do a whole ton of anything, and then the one move that they did do fell through because of a failed physical, which is not a good look whatsoever, but – um you know, I'm just I'm I'm just kind of rolling with it. I understand people who don't want to read my stuff anymore and and they want to unfollow me, and that's great. But for those of you who have stuck around, who still want to listen to me on this podcast, I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, and uh, you will be doing plenty of commenting still on what the Vikings are doing, which we'll get yes, to in just, I will. just a second. I have a lot of thoughts. The funny one was when you like the Bears signed Byron Pringle, and I was like, the Vikings are signing Byron. Oh, no. That's no. Cause I, cause <laughs> you I saw, saw my that. tweet and you thought that. Right, because I was just like, oh, that's a good one. And then like, oh, no, that's a good one for that's someone else. Chicago
0: Bears. Yeah, I actually, <laughs> since I uh, pulled my crystal ball out and I, d- I wrote a, a piece last week about some receivers that they could still target in free agency because they were so quiet those first couple of days. And, you know, you see... The Amari Cooper trade go down. And honestly, like what a good deal that now looks like for Cleveland and getting him. And then you see Christian Kirk explode the wide receiver market for whatever godforsaken reason. Jacksonville decided to pay him that much. But then it all like comes back down. DJ Chark goes somewhere, uh new into the to Detroit and in other receivers have gone other places. And the Viking, excuse me, the Bears were not all that active in it. But I wrote a piece on you know, guys that they could target and Byron Pringle was one of them. So I'm, I'm one for one so far. Juju Smith-Schuster was in there, but immediately after Deshaun ends up going to the Cleveland Browns, Juju goes to the Kansas city chiefs. You can mark him off the radar, but I am fully on receiver watch right now. I will probably be tweeting about many more of them in the days to come. Cause this one feels like Vikings free agency in 2019, when I had my computer with me for three weeks straight after free agency had opened up and i I remember i was like um i was getting acupuncture and that was when they signed josh it's when i got like news like that i broke about them signing josh klein and i've got like a needle in my ear i've got one in my hand i'm like take this out i gotta write and like (laughs) but that's 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 the curse of free agency especially the second and third wave now where they're going to be signing a guy here, a guy there, like, you know, 10 a.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., 9 p.m. Like, it's going to be an all-around-the-clock thing. I honestly think for Minnesota, too, because they've done what they can do with the big-name free agents. They have the exact same roster missing a couple pieces that they had to let go in free agency, and they're going to be filling those with bargain bin players and guys in the draft.
1: The number of times that we have either planned to golf or actually been golfing—oh my golfing. god,
0: yeah! When news breaks, <laughs> yeah, cool. it's
1: ridiculous. Uh, I have a question for you though about the Viking stuff, and this will open the door for you to give your takes. Um, I need your advice on how to talk about this without it always circling back to the same thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: I will be continuing to discuss on a daily basis everything the Vikings do, but it's always going to come back to the Cousins extension, keeping every person here who we thought could potentially be moved. And something that is really kind of blowing my mind is how much the rest of the league thought that Kirk was going, Hunter was going and, and other people like there were reports that they were trying to trade like Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith. And then it turns out the athletic reported that Baker Mayfield's camp believed that the Browns were going to trade him for Kirk Cousins, which is crazy. And Indianapolis believed that they were going to trade for Kirk Cousins. And then none of this stuff happened. And so we end up sitting kind of in the same spot that we've been sitting. And I need you to tell me, like, how do I talk about this without just always circling back to it looks the same. It's the same look. If, uh, if you're a Zoolander fan, it's the same look. It's, it's not blue steel or Latigra the same look. It's the same roster. It's the same team. So Help me talk about this without always ending up back in the same spot.
0: It's hard. And I know that there are some people who get turned off by that because they think that the front office did the right thing in trying to run it back with players who are now, A, a year older, B, getting paid a lot more money. I mean, Kirk Cousins getting $40 million next year, and then he's still under contract the year after that, makes it incredibly difficult to move him. And Daniil Hunter is going to be 29 years old, coming off, you know, a pec injury and the neck injury from a year before, both of those guys are still on the roster. Like, I understand that they have talented pieces, and we all knew this. You had pieces you could build around, especially on offense. you got your bookends at tackle. You've got Justin Jefferson, who is a superstar. You've got Dalvin Cook. You've got Adam Thielen, who's still a very good receiver, albeit coming off of a high ankle sprain that required surgery. You had things that you could do to still remain competitive. Now, all the moves that they made, Show me that, like, if, if it's not Super Bowl or bust, I don't know what you're doing. And I was very surprised when, you know, when, when they pick up Kirk Cousins and they, when they extend him for one year and then the reports start coming out that they've been trying to trade to Neil Hunter. Nothing computed there. It was short circuiting in, in my mind, because what does that what are you doing if you're lo- if you? And they were they were trying to move to Neil Hunter. I mean, going back before the Kirk extension took place, they were trying to move to Neil Hunter. So that would have been the week before free agency started. They were fielding calls from people I've spoken with about trying to move the pass rusher and get him somewhere else, get him the fresh start he deserves and be in a spot where you're not forcing a team to pick up the $18 million option. Now I think the Vikings are smart enough to realize they have no pass rush without Daniil Hunter. You can say what you want about DJ Wanham. He cannot be your primary pass rusher. And I don't believe you can afford to go get another one in free agency unless you had the ability to move Daniil Hunter and get picks back. Um, I don't know, maybe there'd be a player in the trade, I mean, but you you needed to keep him. He is your pass rush. Like you're, you're screwed without him. So I think it's hard to talk about this in a way that it doesn't feel like we're on groundhog day every day. And I saw this tweet from Jason Fitzgerald from over the cap. That the Vikings have been stuck in this vicious cycle for a couple of years now. And I completely agree having been as close to it as I was when I covered this team that I don't think that they see a way out. They really don't. Like, if you, because if they did, they wouldn't have re signed Kirk to the one year extension and had him on the books and how expensive he's going to be next season and what that precludes you from doing in free agency. You can't make a big splash now. Like, what are you going to do? Who else are you going to go get? I mean, yeah, there's some offensive linemen that are still out there, but are you going to be overpaying for a guard over? I mean, the center market's depleted now. So you are, you're going to roll with Garrett Bradbury next year. I don't know what more that they could possibly do so you'd be turning your attention now to the defense. What are they doing at safety outside? Is it Cam Bynum now? The starter opposite Harrison Smith? What the hell are they doing at cornerback? Because there's no one there and I know like I've seen your mentions. I see people who think that we're like you know not you know not giving Cam Dancer the credit he deserves and you know Harrison Hand and all these other like Draft picks that really haven't amounted to anything. Show me, show me why, show me how I'm wrong there. Show me how we're wrong because you're gonna talk about it in this you talk you're talking about it in reality that this team is a year older with many of the same players and they let productive players that they had go in free agency. A la Xavier Woods. How do you replace those things? Like the defensive tackle signing didn't make a whole ton of sense to me. Like I know that they're switching to a 3-4 scheme and they basically had two of the same player and Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson, but none of these moves should excite Vikings fans to think, holy shit, we're going to go win a Super Bowl next year. That's not just not happening. Like they're, they're stuck in a vicious cycle. I think that that is the most eloquent way that Jason Fitzgerald put it, that they can't, the the only way that they can help themselves is by getting out of it eventually um, and moving on from the quarterback. But we've been talking about this for months now. Like we, we knew that that was the only way that they could do it. And yet they doubled down on the approach that hasn't worked for them so far. And now we're expecting it to.
1: And that's the thing that, you know, whenever we form an opinion on stuff, talk to a lot of different people who do a lot of different things in the league. And Jason Fitzgerald is a great resource because yeah. he runs over the cap.com, but he also meets with people from the league who help him out to run his site and have the best opinions he can have. So he's a very credible source when it comes to stuff like this. And when he's saying, I don't really get it. They're stuck in this vicious cycle. And the people from PFF, who some uh, have Vikings fan backgrounds like Sam Monson and Eric Eager grew up a Vikings fan. But I mean, even the people who aren't and didn't grow up Vikings fans are looking at this situation and just saying, I'm not really sure what exactly they're doing here. And that is the, the hardest part. Is okay. How do I break out of this conversation to uh, instead of just saying, like, guys, it just doesn't really add up, and I don't see a way out of it. And the only way I see out of it is drafting a quarterback and then just letting nature take its course. And I was trying to, you know, think about comparisons like, who is this like around the league? And what I kept coming back to is it's like Cincinnati with Andy Dalton, and it's like Atlanta with old Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. and it's like the New York Giants with Eli Manning where all of those quarterbacks given really great situations uh, could have been excellent. Um, Old Eli Manning still got some of the playoffs one year, uh, but they they had to have a really good roster. Matt Ryan, it wasn't that long ago where they were competitive and he hasn't played terribly at all. Like his PFF grades are pretty solid. His numbers aren't that awful, but the roster has just not been good enough to make them competitive. And it feels like you kind of have a comparable quarterback to high-end Andy Dalton or fading Eli Manning or uh, Matt Ryan, not mobile. It can't be a playmaker anymore. That kind of thing. And your roster is just bad. And and the the Giants got themselves in this position by having this happen. And every year they kept saying, well, we'll do this. We'll do that. We'll sign this player. We'll sign that player or we'll run it back. We'll bring back these older guys. And I just don't think that there's I cannot find, and you tell me if if you know of a different one, I can't find a historical example. I would also throw the Lions in here with Stafford in recent years where they thought, oh, it was Jim Caldwell's fault. That's who it was. And then it was, well, we'll try signing Trey Flowers. That'll do it. And eventually nature took its course and they just had to tank. Um, I can't think of an example of a team that had a quarterback in his mid-30s and a roster that was really struggling and older players that suddenly flipped the switch and then, Oh, whoa, suddenly they're good. Usually it takes quite a while to deconstruct and reconstruct. And I think they've just set the timeline back more than anything.
0: Yeah. There is no example. That's the reason you can't find one. Cause there's not one that would work because otherwise we'd be talking about that and using that as the gold standard. Like, I I don't know. I was going to throw Pittsburgh in the mix, too, because it was I mean, there was writing on the wall that Ben Roethlisberger was going to be done. And yes, he got them to the playoffs this year, but like was a broken version of himself. And they ended up losing anyways, like not saying that I'm not truly comparing side by side Matt uh, Kirk Cousins and Ben Roethlisberger. But I do think that you can draw some parallels there of like things that just. Once they stopped working, like Ben Roethlisberger had stopped working after a while and being what they needed him to be. Kirk Cousins hit his ceiling a long time ago, yet you're now expecting him to rise above and at 33, 34 years old be something that he's not. It's just not going to work. And I don't think that that's necessarily pessimism as much as it is reality and the fact that they chose to basically double down on the players that they have, restructuring Adam Thielen's contract, picking up the option, excuse me, the bonus for Daniil Hunter, and now hopefully they're going to try to work out a long term deal. I don't know. Um, you know, and hoping that he returns to form, keeping Kirk Cousins around. What more can they possibly do to make this roster that much better to where? they're more than what they were last year or actually like into the playoffs and winning a game i don't think that that really exists so it's hard to talk about because it feels like groundhog day every year every free agency it feels like groundhog day when you have a quarterback of this caliber who is this expensive on your roster and it prevents you from doing things like even in 2019 when kirk was still like it was the second year under contract they had the option To be active players in free agency. What did they do? They overpaid because Anthony Barr got homesick and wanted to come back to the Vikings. They overpaid for him. And what did that yield? A decent season from him in 2019. He didn't play barely at all in 2020 because of the injury. And he was hurt and limited to 11 games last year. He never returned to the Pro Bowl form that they had gambled on when they gave him that deal. And that prevented them from doing anything of note elsewhere in free agency. It feels like they kind of like walked themselves into the same situation this year. And that's tough for fans to stomach because they want your team to be, you know, to, to, to have a different approach and, and not just do the same thing that you've done every single year, hoping for a different result. It takes patience. It takes gall to stomach a rebuild, to stomach letting 25 plus players go in free agency and saying, all right, probably going to suck this year but we're going to build for the long-term approach with, you know, the draft and free agency and getting comp picks. I mean, who am I talking about right now? I'm talking about the Chicago Bears, and I know there, there will be some people who are listening to me saying, wow, you're a homer for them already. Like, you're already, like, thinking that they did a great job. And they dodged a massive bullet in not signing Larry Ogunjobi because of the failed physical. They would look like idiots for that. Like, did you not do your homework that this guy had a foot injury two months ago? It's 300-something pounds, and you expect expecting to be, like, good to go, playing three technique where you have to rush the passer and handle double teams? No, that was a bad look. And I'm, and I'm the first one to call him out for that. But like, I think the approach, the approach that Ryan Poles is taking is probably what Quasey wanted to do, but he was forced into the situation from people that I've talked to, people that you talked to, people who are in the know, where the, the moves that they made don't necessarily line up with what I think Quasey wanted to do when he came in.
1: The uh, Larry Joby thing, I've got a conspiracy theory on that. That they agreed to this contract with him and then people called Ryan Poles and were like, dude, what? No, don't do that. Are you kidding me? They were That's gonna a terrible $13. idea.
0: 1.3 million million at an average annual value for his contract. One team that I talked to said that they had him valued around 5 to $6 million because of the foot good. injury and because the ceiling of his team, a ceiling of his like limitations
1: right. He's not a good player. And they were about to make him like a top five average annual value defensive tackle. It's like, Hey, Ryan Poles, just cause you like this guy coming out does not mean that. And that's what scout GMs often do. Like, Oh, I love this guy coming out. We got to sign him. And there was even a study so that was that five showed... years ago. Yeah. Right. Right. And there was even a study that showed that like guys who were drafted high just keep getting signed no matter what because mm-hmm. there's always someone in the league who is high on him coming out in the draft which is sort of funny that's the laquan Treadwell was still in the NFL last year um you know who that's reminding me of historically is actually the Baltimore Ravens post Super Bowl with Joe Flacco listen to these seasons post Super Bowl with Joe Flacco they went eight and eight ten and six five and eleven eight and eight nine and seven ten and six and then finally it gets turned over to Lamar Jackson after that And they uh, never had to go all the way to the bottom aside from that one, five and 11 season, but Joe Flacco just wasn't good enough and faded. And another point about Joe Flacco is that he was a pretty good quarterback. And I know there was the, you know, is he elite sort of thing? And he was never really an elite quarterback, but the thing is that by the age of 33, Joe Flacco was pretty much done as an NFL starter. And, I don't know that his injury history was really insane. It's like something that did the Vikings think of the fact that, you know, quarterbacks of Kirk cousins age are not guaranteed to continue to be good just because Aaron Rodgers has, Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was looking for quarterbacks past the age of 33, 34, you you're actually hard pressed to find any in the last 20 years, aside from the truly elite, like hall of fame, gold jacket legends that continue to be great long-term. And I I mean, if they're going to keep him as their quarterback for the next two years, and that's why I think that the whole nature takes its course thing might end up happening, where Cousins had his best PFF-graded season of his career last year. What if he doesn't? Like, what if he doesn't play the same way? What if there is some regression there? I mean, because age hits everybody differently and at different times, and if he falls off even a little bit physically, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, it just can't do it anymore. That's like Joe Flacco, where he didn't have athleticism, mobility uh, to to you know fall back on. It was really just this cannon, and when that wasn't working anymore, it was just over. And I, I wonder if they're going all in trying to win, which I, I'm I'm not really sure if they are. Um, the then... moves, the moves
0: would suggest it. Like I just cannot understand. You cannot justify what they did unless you believe that this team thinks truly what the ownership has said publicly, that they still are, want to be a competitive team. They expect to win games in 2022. So those moves reflect a team that's like, all right, we're going to contend. Maybe they think that Devonte Adams not being in the division is that much more of a benefit to them. I don't know. Like, yeah. Does it make your corners jobs a little bit easier here, here on out? Sure. I don't know who they're going to replace Devontae Adams with. You'd like to think that it'll be somebody that um, could at least like be better than Alan Lazard. And um, I just don't get the long play here. Like it just, it feels like like you were talking about a timeline This sets it back. Like, and we have been on the cusp of this team trying to reset its timeline twice now since, since Kirk cousins was signed in 2018, they made a purely financial decision in 2020 to extend him that Monday morning of free agency week. And then what did they do? Like, th- that was a move. Like, okay, they're going all in. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, after like letting like nine players go from defense, mind you. Then they go trade Stephon Diggs later that day. Like, does not compute, does not make sense. That should have been the rebuild year. They're in a situation now where they re sign Kirk, they re sign Daniil. They picked up the roster bonus for Daniil Hunter, they restructured Adam Thielen, they're going to keep Harrison Smith around, like all these things. If you're not competing for a Super Bowl, then what the heck are you doing? Like, why did you do all this stuff if you really don't think you can be competitive?
1: Hey, everybody, I've been making my meals from HelloFresh, and I have to tell you, I cannot make enough of these things. And if I can make them, literally anyone can. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre portioned ingredients, seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. One of the nice things for me as I'm grinding the football tape is that HelloFresh cuts back on the time spent in the kitchen. Meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less, plus their quick and easy meal options, including 20 minute recipes, low prep, easy cleanup. They provide an even faster route to putting food on the table. You guys know we love stats on the show. How about this one? HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, and you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put toward your NFL draft guides. How about that? Uh, We've been cooking HelloFresh meals here in the house for the last couple of weeks. Just made the Parmesan chicken the other night, and uh, it's a game changer, guys. So go to HelloFresh.com. That's HelloFresh.com slash insider 16 hellofresh.com slash insider 16 use the code insider 16 for up to 16 meals for free and three free gifts hellofresh america's number one meal kit
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to do's bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals
1: Well, and the Vikings are, according to uh, the PFF bet Twitter account, which pays attention to some of the interesting like things going on in the gambling world, the Vikings are a favorite to get Janavian Clowney, which, of course, they would have to change all that money over from Daniil Hunter to create cap space and then go after Clowney, which just wouldn't really make sense at all. It would be very similar in my mind to a Patrick Peterson deal last year where you went like, oh, OK, I mean, Patrick Peterson might be fine, but what's the point? What's the point of just filling a space with someone short term who's an older free agent and has pitfalls, uh, specifically with Jadavian and Clowney Mm -hmm. and the injuries? And if they do that, so that's the thing. If they do something like that, then it's okay. You are all in, apparently. But that's why I said I don't really know what it is at the moment because they haven't done or had the space to do anything of extreme significance Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks are not extreme significance. They're just fill a hole and be a guy. If they do something of serious significance to try to win this year, then it's okay. Now the pressure is all in um, to, for you guys to win. What
0: could that possibly be though with their salary cap situation, the way that it is, unless they surprise some people and pull something off a trade during the draft to try to get draft capital. I don't see that happening.
1: That's why I think that if nothing like that happens, if they don't sign a clowny or make a trade for somebody um, that's going to help them win right away, that have you ever had a situation in your life where there was something that was really stressing you out and you thought like, oh, this, this situation is so tough and I don't know what to do and it's very difficult. And then you did nothing and it just sort of faded away. Like that might happen with this. They might just do nothing and then go through next year and go five and 12 because they're not a good football team and cousins regresses a little Dalvin cook regresses a little. Like you mentioned the age factor is yeah. serious with the, with the ages of some of these players. And it could be like the natural tank. Like there's a natural hat trick. Like there's a natural tank where you didn't mean it, but it just happened.
0: But like, why would you spend all that money? That's financial irresponsibility. And I mean, what's done is done. You can't argue it anymore. And I know there are going to be people out there who will point at all of the quarterbacks who signed in free agency and those that are you know, already with their teams that like, this is market value for a quarterback of Kirk Cousins caliber, like a mediocre to sometimes good quarterback. Um, this is what he's owed. The Vikings don't necessarily need to be the didn't need to be the ones to pay that. They could have let the Colts do it. I mean, the reports that were out there that they were fielding calls and trade scenarios. I wonder what stopped that up. Was it ownership truly saying, no, no, we like this guy. We want to win with him. When there have also been things that have come out that ownership wasn't all in on Kirk Cousins and thought that they had a quarterback problem during the 2020 season. Mm -hmm. Like you can't have it both ways.
1: Doesn't it feel like the ownership of this team, just when you put together the pieces, just sort of blowing around in the wind, like last year, oh, we were close because we lost a couple of close games. So now we got to keep him because he played well from what we, it's very much been whatever we just saw is the truth for this ownership with the team. We just saw Kirk win a playoff game. It's
0: recency recency bias. Like,
1: But, but that's my, that's my thing about like, if you're Kwesi Mensa, the 3D chess version is okay, I'll do everything you guys want this year. We'll keep feeling, we'll keep Kirk, we won't trade away Hunter, we'll just do everything you guys want, owners. And then, whoops, we went 5 and 12. So your idea didn't work. Now it's time. Th- and, and I don't want to say, I don't want to speak for Kwesi Adafo Mensa and say that his idea was to move everyone, but they tried to move everyone. So it seems like that was his idea. Um, but then they weren't allowed or it didn't come to fruition. So now it can just happen. And and if you think that it can't, there's a ton of examples that would say, yes, you can actually have a decent quarterback and a, a horrendous roster and end up in a tank situation. And I don't mean a two win, but like a six win, because right now it's pretty hard to see this team winning any more than seven games just based on who they have. And you mentioned all the free agents that's the difference between if the ownership is saying, Oh, we're, we're close. We just needed a field goal last year. You think, right. But you can't get last year's team and replay it. Like this isn't a simulation that we live in though. Sometimes it feels like it. So anyway, I just, I just wonder like that keeps coming to my mind of think about Denver last year, like where they say, okay, you know, we'll see Vic Fangio. Was it was it, uh, you know, was it just Drew Locke's fault? Let's see. We'll get you a quarterback and mm-hmm. we'll see what you got. And then it was like the, the natural thing took place and they moved out the coach and they got the quarterback and everything. That's the only way I could look at this and say, well, it could actually end up working out if just the forces of gravity send them down from where they are now. And then uh, they have hurt themselves long-term with the cap, but eventually it has to go in the direction that it's going to go.
0: Yeah. And I think that will turn fans off because they saw window. Most fans that I've interacted with, the ones that aren't like psychos who like stand for players that make no sense. But um, you know, I don't think you and I have talked since the, since the extension went down on that Sunday night, I was getting ready to host radio from eight to midnight. And it was like, Oh my goodness, Tom Brady. Oh, by the way, let's sneak the cork, like sneak the Kirk cousins extension news in. Why do you-, do you, that's calculated. Like they did that because they knew that they were going to get crucified for doing it. And it's like, Oh, well, everybody's talking about Tom Brady. Oh, by the way, Kirk cousins signed another extension.
1: No like, Kirk press conference to announce nope. an extension, right? Like nope. they're so excited just, about ju- it that they haven't ju- talked about it.
0: Just the, um, just the photo of him in that room, which might be in winter it might be at um Egan like that had him signing and smiling at the camera and the comments on that tweet were really fun. Um, like this isn't a move that you should be all that excited about. Cause it's more of the same. So if you're a fan and realizing, wow, I'm going to have to like, because they haven't even like teetered on the edge of rebuilding yet. Like they have to fully commit to it cause they haven't. And until they're like willing to like face the inevitable and look at what they're doing and, and say like, okay, we're ready to make a change this is what you're going to get. And it, it's, it's a tough spot for Vikings fans to be in because now they turn their attention to the draft because free agency, it's not over, but like, and you can always add players, you know, they, they've added players like in June last year, like with some corners and, you know, there's still cornerbacks out on the, maybe Patrick Peterson resigns with the Vikings, like on a reduced deal even more. Like, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with that position, but do you now have to look at the draft and be like, man, I hope we hit on some picks. Cause This is not – they're not a team that can really take best player available. They've got to go after their needs because they have a lot of holes on the defensive side of the ball, especially to fill, and you're going to expect impact players if you don't get anybody else in free agency. And, you know, when you're picking at 12, like you had mentioned with drafting a quarterback, I think it's a smart idea. I think they should. But since you have a need at cornerback, do you end up, like, doing that instead of getting a quarterback?
1: I like the trade down, still take a quarterback idea um i've been thinking about just the other franchises that have done the natural tank like philadelphia they wanted to get rid of wentz and they just sort of let it be like Mm -hmm. they just you know we're just not going to really help the roster that much and they just let it be and it played itself out and they fired doug peterson and reset their entire franchise seattle with the natural tank last year they didn't do really anything to vastly improve their roster. They let it play out and then they moved on from Russell Wilson. So this, this has actually kind of happened many times where, I mean, even new Orleans last year, they reworked a lot of contracts to be cap compliant, but they didn't do a ton of stuff and just what signed James Winston, Trevor Simeon stuck with Taysom Hill, let it play out. They didn't tank, but they ended up at a point where they needed to do some resetting of their franchise sean payton moves on and so forth so i think that this actually does happen kind of all the time it's just really hard for to tell people like oh yeah just let it play out let them go eight and nine or, not, or seven and ten or something it can and be the best be thing fine.
0: for them yeah like right, oh god right. fans are not going to want to hear that because they just went eight and nine and seven and nine the year before that and that wasn't a good feeling
1: right last year was supposed to be the natural tank mm-hmm. not this year um and so i guess the answer my original question to you was tell me how I'm supposed to not focus on this all the time. And you have no answer.
0: <laughs> no, because if I was still on the beat, it'd be really difficult to kind of like shine this and not make it, you know, shining a turd effectively. And I'm not saying that the roster's a turd, but like you get what I mean. It's hard to like make this look like anything other than it is. You have a ton of talent on this team, but it's not widespread at every single position. Like I mentioned before with the core offensive players you have, Those are people you could build around. And what good would it be for those players if you didn't have something new, a fresh perspective at quarterback, a new quarterback that could maybe take their games to the next level? Because we've seen what we're going to see from Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson is on the cusp of not even his prime. He's 23 years old and he's really damn good. And I wonder how much better he can get with Kirk Cousins. Like there's all these other players that Benefit or don't benefit from this situation with them re signing Kirk Cousins. And I think that that's a problem. And, and you have to talk about it as such. Like it's not being negative, it's just being realistic. Like, because we've been accused before of like, gosh, you guys, like, I'm not God, I, I, I remember this. Like, right as I was leaving the beat, and I can't remember like what had happened, but people were like, you know, yelling at me about the offensive line for some reason. And being like, you said it was fixed in May of last year after they got Wyatt Davis and Christian Dariusaw, and like that there wasn't going to be a problem. I said, no. At that time, I said that it wasn't going to be the main storyline of training camp because they drafted Wyatt Davis to be the starting right guard. They drafted Christian Dariusaw to take over for Riley Reef at left tackle. You know what I heard at the Combine? that was a Rick Spielman special where he didn't listen to anyone else in the room on Wyatt Davis. He went after his guy, two scouts I talked to in the Minnesota Vikings organization said that this guy wasn't even a backup grade for them. Okay. That's what, that's what the reality of this situation was. So don't come at us and don't like, you know, when, when, when we are being sold a bill of goods here on players that. Of course, he was brought in in the pretense of it. He was brought in to be the starting right guard for the Minnesota Vikings. Otherwise, you don't spend a third-round draft pick on him. So the same thing applies to the situation that you are dealing with this year in covering this team on an everyday basis. What else are you supposed to say? You're supposed to lie and all of a sudden say, oh, no, this roster, even though it's the exact same as it was last year, minus a couple pieces, totally set for an NFC championship game. Sign me up. No, that, that, that's false pretense. It's bull is what it is. And I know that I've cursed twice on this podcast already, but I don't want to hear it anymore. Cause like, I see it. I still see it. Cause I still follow Vikings land because I'm still attached to it in many ways. I still cover the NFC North. And I just think it's all false. It's all, and none of it makes sense. If you think that this group is going to be vastly different, just because you have a coach in here who is an offensive minded coach and has worked with Kirk before. I'd love to see Kevin O'Connell crack the code. I really would because then I'd have some belief and some faith that it can actually happen. But until it does, you have to call this what it is. And it's a middling pack NFC team.
1: I think the, uh, the game to be played here might be, do I sound ridiculous or okay. is this, or is this gaslighting <laughs> just the,
0: uh, oh, that's a good one. I love that game.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe I, uh, okay. We'll try this real quick. I will tell you ways to talk yourself into it or to not come back to the same conclusion. And you could say like, am I trying to gaslight you? Uh, Um, Okay. So if I were to tell, if I were to tell you that they have uh, a new offensive line coach and a new system that can benefit the offensive line, that they can protect cousins better and he can perform better because of his clean pocket rating, are you buying that, or is that gaslighting?
0: It's like borderline gaslighting because you have the true definition of gaslighting it's emotional abuse where the abuser or bully misleads the target and creates a false narrative and it makes you question your own judgments and reality. I do think that a new offensive line coach this year, like what what offensive linemen are you working with? Who are your interior guys? If it's the same interior guys and you're running the same zone blocking scheme. It's going to be the same result. So I guess that's, that's teetering on the, like it, it's trying to give hope. It's not like full on gaslighting, but it's, it's teetering on the, on the edge of that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I right. Gaslighting the, uh, would
0: be like trying to like sell me that like DJ Wanham is going to be Hunter. <laughs> that is what that is.
1: Right. Uh, establishing the line of gaslighting. All right, let's try a couple more then. Uh, if Justin Jefferson becomes Kevin O'Connell's Cooper cup, then they could take the offense to new heights that have never been realized with previous offensive coordinators. Is that gaslighting or is that uh, reasonable?
0: Probably reasonable. I don't think that's a form of gaslighting for that because Justin Jefferson is capable of doing that. And there were moments last year where he wasn't throwing the ball. So like that would have to take the buy-in from Kirk Cousins and that it becomes a reality far sooner than week nine, because we know that he didn't have a sophomore slump last year. The slow start was because they couldn't figure out ways to to get him the ball. And some of that had to do with the offensive line and the protections. Some of that had to do with Kirk being scared in many situations. There's a reason his touchdown to interception ratio was so low, but like comb through that a little bit more. That's because of checkdowns. That's because of not taking the, uh, giving his, his star receiver a 50, 50 ball and saying, go up and get it and win. Like, There was a lot of that. So I do think if they're able to use Justin Jefferson, I really want to see him go back in the slot. I know that's not exactly the most popular opinion by a lot of people, but like Cooper Cup was his most successful in the slot. Yes, they are different receivers. Justin Jefferson set a franchise or uh, school record at LSU during the national championship season when he had 110 catches out of the slot and was an incredibly productive receiver. Anywhere you line him up, it's going to be great, but I'd like to see him in there a little bit more.
1: Folks, the hockey and basketball teams here in town are headed down the stretch toward the playoffs and you can get yourself ready by going to sodastick.com and use the code purpleinsider for 15% off all Minnesota sports-inspired goods. That's sodastick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use code purpleinsider for 15% off. Yeah, I don't think it's gaslighting, but I also think that what the impact On the entire production um, is probably gaslighting because if you're saying that that's going to take the offense to new heights that it's never achieved, like Justin Jefferson has taken this franchise by storm over the last two years, like that, you are you're probably 95% the way there with Justin Jefferson. If there's five more percent, that's great. But does that take you to being this unbelievable offense when there's fundamental problems?
0: It would require other players being around that same level, require Irv Smith Jr. Coming back and being exactly what we thought he was going to be the year he was drafted. It's going to require Adam Thielen not having lost a step because of the injury. Yeah, there's ways to believe that that could happen, but it's can't you? You're not getting that reliant upon Justin Jefferson
1: solely. Right. Uh, how about this? This is the, this is the last one, and then we can do a quick draft sim. Um, is it gaslighting if I were to say that their failures last year were more Mike Zimmer's fault than players?
0: Hmm.
1: More Mike Zimmer than the roster.
0: It's a tough one because I put a lot of this on Zim. I do. And I I think I put a lot of it on Rick, too. Because, I mean, there are moments where I agreed with Mike when he was, you know, taking shots at, at Spielman about, like, oh, we don't have any, we have a lack of depth. Like, we're just dealt the hand that we're dealt. Zimmer didn't put this team in a good position to win last year. And I think that that really came and bit this team in the butt. And I don't know if I'd say that's gaslighting as more as it is like a fact more than it being the players. I mean, the players have to be put in the, they have to go make plays and they're put in position to go do that. But I'll say it's quasi gaslighting because You can pin a lot of that blame on Kirk cousins. You can, and, 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 he, and certainly Mike Zimmer does. and, I I would believe that, you know, if I'm evaluating too, I put a ton of the blame on Kirk Cousins and on the defense and on a lot of the players, but Zimmer's the one ultimately in charge there. And I don't think that his team was, was not, not ready to play. It's not the preparation part. I just don't think that they were, I think they got out-schemed and out-coached.
1: I think where it's gaslighting is it doesn't really matter. Like you don't get to replay last year. Now, if you got to give me Sean McVay as the head coach of the Vikings last year versus Mike Zimmer, they're probably a 10 win team as opposed to an eight win team. But that doesn't matter because this roster is not last year's roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the biggest trouble with connecting it to last year and saying, well, this could be better and this could be better. Um, I remember, I think maybe I've brought this up before, but Justice Mosqueda, who's a very smart guy on, on Twitter, he was talking about how every eight win team believes there are a few things away from being a 12 to 14 win team. And it's like, that's so true. Like, oh, you're, you're just you're a few fourth down decisions away. You're a few. Right, like being nice few defensive away.
0: stops uh from eight losses that were decided
1: right. by one score, right? Right. That can be true, but also not say anything about what the future is going to be. I um, disagree. Right. So I think I think that that one actually is gaslighting because it's a different scenario every single year. And so the scenario you're in right now is different from what it was last year. I think if they had fired Mike Zimmer after 2020 and someone else coached the team last year who was better, that they would have won more games. I still don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. The other part of why it's gaslighting is Kevin O'Connell seems like a really great guy, and I think he's going to set a much nicer tone for this team. That doesn't mean he's a great coach. We have to find that out. I'm not saying he isn't, but how would I know that he is? Like how that? How would I know that he's so much better than what they've had before? So that's the other part of it. So I think that the more you pin on Mike Zimmer being his fault. And like saying that now that he's gone, you're in a much better spot for this year to win, the more gaslighting it probably is. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, disagree. Okay, quick drafts him. You, you quick down. drafts him. I'm Qu- all the way down. Courtney, our draft scout returns. Okay, she's here. All right, she's ready. Okay, so I am. Uh, I am at the Vikings first. So you're going to help me make this pick because your squad has no first round pick, so you have to be involved in this. Uh, all right, so. Off the board, real quick, I'll run through them. You have all the players that you expect. Aiden Hutchinson, Kyle Hamilton, uh, Iki Iquanu, Kayvon Thibodeau, all these players off the board. Evan Neal, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, uh, Trayvon Walker, Charles Cross, Garrett Wilson, and Drake London, which means all the quarterbacks are on the board mm-hmm. at the moment. Also, except for Drake London and Garrett Wilson, the receivers are on the board, the defensive linemen are on the board, um, the guy who I think the Vikings would pick here is George, uh, Carol Aftis from Purdue. Who's the top edge rusher, but also, um, Trent McDuffie cornerback, more of a nickel guy. I think, um, Tyler Linderbaum is here. Chris Olave. There's a lot of different options here, um, that the Vikings could go with, but if they were at 12 and Malik Willis was not taken yet and they you don't go, pick Trent? them, we just crushed them, right? Like like, if, they, if Malik Willis is on the board and they do not take him at 12, we just go absolutely ballistic. Am I wrong?
0: No, because even though you have Kirk Cousins under contract for this year and next, you still have to start thinking about the future. And, and it has to come via first-round pick because you're taking too much of a gamble on these third-round quarterbacks, i.e. Kellen Mond, who they are not sold on and is not going to be a starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. You can book that. Um I think that they learned their mistake from last year. I mean, yes, they tried to trade up and get Justin Fields, but they also saw that Mac Jones was right there when they when they traded back. Um, I w- I yes, you you crush them if they don't do that because at this point you got to take a first round
1: quarterback if he's available to you. Okay. I'm st- I'm just taking him in this draft sim because that's 100% what I would do and if they passed on him, unless the only other sc- scenario would be this. If Pittsburgh said, look, we'll give you the franchise, give us Malik Willis, and then at 20, you draft Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter, uh, then I would not go completely insane. Uh, Okay, with the 39th, oh no, I only put in the Vikings. Are you doing this along?
0: I'm doing the Vikings and I am doing the Bears. Oh,
1: okay, so who would you pick then with 12 if it wasn't Willis?
0: Well, I didn't actually go at 12. I ended up taking, I, I traded with the... Hold on. Let me see what was Atlanta or I just did this a few minutes ago. I ended up trading with the Philadelphia Eagles. I sent them the 12th overall pick in exchange for number 19. And I think it's 166 Um, because I figure I was going to use your logic from Mm -hmm. our earlier conversation where we talked about, you can still probably get a quarterback here um at at any point later on in the draft is it going to be Malik Willis probably not but you know the guys that were available to me at this spot at number where was I um at number 19 Sam Howell Desmond Ritter Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett so I decided I don't know why Sam Howell why PFF has him ranked this high I I've seen a couple North Carolina games and I was not all that impressed so I'm drafting Matt Corral at uh 19. Do you hate it?
1: I love it. I mean, a trade down pick up and I got, and I got my quarterback. I mean, I think this is the way to go. I I look, if they draft a defensive end or a corner, I completely get it. I, but if, but if they do this trade down, accumulate assets, get a Mm -hmm. quarterback for the future, that'll just be really smart i think
0: and and I, and I know that like my my mock draft i did i did i'll give you my second round pick in a minute my they didn't like that as much as it as much as i thought i did the trade itself i think was graded as an a from pff which you know thank you um, but for Matt Corral, they gave it a C-plus pick, and I'm just kind of wondering, like, what do they not necessarily like about him um, as much? I mean, he didn't have, like, any of his weapons in 2021 that he had in 2020, and he still produced. So I think that it's a good option. Get somebody in there, like, to be able to compete. For a spot that he might be taking on in 2023, yes, I know Kirk Cousins is still under contract, but there's no saying that they wouldn't try to trade him next year. Yes, he does have a no trade clause. Well aware of all of these things. Start building for the future and start start doing it without just like a, a third round pick because that, that that stuff doesn't usually tip like work out. I don't. As an aside. The Houston Texans saying, nope, go to Davis Mills, keeping it going, blah, blah, blah. Not even like giving Baker Mayfield a sniff at this mm-hmm. point or like doing anything like, I don't get it. But, um, but anyways, I- I, you can't, can, can you really go wrong having Matt Corral or like any other first round quarterback in the mix?
1: No, no. I mean, I I honestly think the answer is uh, that anyone you're picking there probably has equal odds of succeeding. I think Willis is far ahead of the others in terms of his ceiling, but the rest are pretty equal. Um, I also think this is what this is where you're at with the Vikings. I'm seeing things that the Texans are doing, and I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense because you can't win this year. So you might as well just play it out. You
0: be the king of the mid-level deal, which they have
1: been. Right. You just play it out. Look for look for free agents that might be something for you in the future.
0: And they've got um, three first round draft picks the next couple of years. They'll be fine.
1: So the exactly accumulate draft assets. Like the they're a, stinking Texans that are one of the most clueless franchises in the league are doing things right. Yeah. So are the Jaguars. Anyway, um I went with Sky Moore in the second round for the Bears. Love the pick. Love the pick.
0: All right. So do you want me to like go back and forth and like, tell you what, like my, do you want me just to finish up my Minnesota
1: Vikings? uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't you tell me, why don't you tell me who you went with the bears at 39 at
0: 39. Okay. We'll go this way. 39. I did the exact same thing. I went with sky Moore (laughs) because he, like I was, I've been talking with a couple of our draft analysts at ESPN. That is a perfect second round receiver. And the value that you can get in the second round for players, like of his caliber are huge I mean there's definitely a couple other names that I would consider for the Chicago Bears at 39 but I think the sweet spot for them in the second round if they're not going to try to trade up is to go get a wide receiver at some point like in whether it's those both of those picks like so he's a slot receiver to me he looks a lot like Darnell Mooney in that sense and so you know getting open, creating separation, good hands. Those are things that I think the bears want to see at the receiver position because they have nobody right now outside of Byron Pringle, who they just traded for in free agent, excuse me. They just acquired as a free agent from Kansas city. And he's a slot guy. And then they got equanimity St. Brown, who like has caught 59% of his targets over three years. So like, are you excited about that? No, but getting someone like sky moore like you need a lot of weapons around Justin Fields. So I really like this pick. I'm glad that we're on the same page about this one.
1: Yep. Uh, Just stacking weapons for him. If they Mm -hmm. were to go with an offensive lineman, there would probably be fine. Uh, And then with the Vikings, I just went with an edge rusher, Drake Jackson out of USC. Okay, Um, I mean, to me, it's whatever edge rusher corner is the best player there for the Vikings. If they were to surprise us and go with a quarterback in the first round, then you have to start addressing the needs right away. Um, I think edge rusher class, the edge rusher class is very good. I also think though, too, that what Tampa Bay did was in the second and third and fourth round, they just started drafting every corner around and a couple <laughs> of them worked out. And yeah. then, and then they filled up their defensive line with like Indama Sioux and Jason Pierre Paul and players that they could get in free agency. So even though I did draft a uh, defensive end here for the Vikings, I don't think it's nuts in the second, third, fourth rounds to just draft corner, 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 like just take, Why not? just take that mass approach
0: can never have too much. And all right. So like my, my second round pick for the bears is the same as it is for the Vikings. So I'll just give it to you right now for both. So obviously the Vikings need cornerbacks, the Chicago bears need cornerbacks, Jalen Petrie. I think is isn't na- how you pronounce his last name from Baylor. He's somebody who played the star position, so that means that he can play it's it, that's a position that takes like a lot of like quick processing. Um, you're you know, you're basically like navigating traffic and like being a traffic cop in the back end of your defense um in, in playing that position, so he's versatile and I think that you can play him a lot of different spots. So for the Vikings, if you're not bringing back Mackenzie Alexander, if you're not bringing back – so there, there'd be your your potential, your nickel. Um, it, Depending upon what you're going to do at outside corner, maybe he even gets a look there. So, I mean, the guy's got versatility. I think NFL.com had his his grade, his overall outlook, um, as a good backup with the potential to, to develop in the start into a starter. That's probably what you expect out of a second-round corner. So I, I did him for both teams.
1: It's funny about that is the PFF draft simulator. They they'll update it with things that are happening, but with every draft sim, that guy is around. And I it know. seems like everyone's sending it me too. Last year it was Jalen Darden was the guy that everyone drafted. And this year it's uh Petrie. So uh, Courtney, our draft scout making your return. Uh, we will get together again soon and see what else has ensued so far. And I think probably each week I'll be like, okay, talk me out of, uh, being too aggressive about how this team is just going to be the same. So we'll see how it goes, but, uh, I appreciate your time and I wish you all the diet, Dr. Pepper in the world on your new beat.
0: Oh man. There's so much of it in the media room. I know you are just seething with jealousy right now.
1: I am. I am. It's true. Oh, well, I'll just have to continue to bring my own. All right. (laughs) Thanks Courtney. And, uh, thank you all for listening.